This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I'm going to open for us in prayer and then we're going to take it from there. God, we thank you that we can uh, convene, that we can gather via the internet, that your word um, can still be shared and that we can allow the word to influence our lives and to make us more like Jesus. And that's what we pray um, right now, that you would come and shake our boxes, that you would come and remove that which needs to be removed and add that which needs to be added, that we would look more like Jesus at the end of this time that we have together. We pray for everybody um, going through tough times, that you would be their comforter, um, able to rejoice and worship through every season, good or bad. Strengthen us as your church to be even more bold in this time and share your gospel, share your good news, all the more. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Um, so, we're, we're busy with a, with a bit of a series uh, on encountering God. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle. Um, not too different, don't worry, it's not weird and wonderful. But... We've been talking a lot about, and we've been reading in Scripture about encounters that Jesus and that God has with people, and um, how it influences their lives. Um, and it's amazing to see. What I want to talk to us about today is what do our what does our life look like after we've encountered Jesus? What is the what is the the, the the point of God encountering us, um, God meeting us, where we're at, and, and changing changing our lives? And the question that I basically want to ask is how how does a God encounter shape us? Um, and the reason why I ask this question is because I believe that our church is in a in a time of, of positioning. We we're we need to position ourselves. Um, to be effective witnesses for God, um, to be vessels and allow other people to encounter God through our lives. And um, our level of surrender to God will determine how well we are positioned to where God wants us. It will determine where we are positioned and how we are positioned. And, and, and the two things come to mind when we talk about surrender and, and being positioned is, firstly, what is our attitude towards God and His kingdom? What is our posture? Um, you know, and the second thing that, that comes to mind is our willingness to be used by God. So our posture, our attitude before God, and also our willingness, our heart's condition to be used by God after that. And obviously when we talk about surrender, humility is key. For where pride and selfish ambition is, there every demonic thing exists, as the book of James says. So when we dis- so, 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 so 
pride is when we decide that we know better than God. And when we decide that we know better than God, every demonic thing dwells there. And sin is included in that. And we can see this in the Garden of Eden. We can see there that Adam and Eve decided to take matters into their own hands to say um, that we know better than God and we're going to eat of the apple so that we can be like God. And when we're in a position of pride, God is probably not going to use us. He can because He's God and He's sovereign. But as the church, He says that He will bring healing and prosperity. He will use us when we are humble. When we have a posture, our attitude is an attitude of humility before Him. And, and, and maybe something that we, that we need to iron out when it comes to humility is when we think of humility, we think of a being on our knees before God. And yes, that is definitely one part of humility. But humility and meekness towards God produces a, a boldness. It doesn't produce, it doesn't mean that we withdraw. It doesn't mean that, we, that we're subdued, but it means um, that we're submitted completely unto God because when we talk about encountering God right we we think of that time in worship when we were worshiping and we started crying and we felt his closeness and that is definitely an encounter with God God comes um, and he meets us because he, he he has emotions as well and he we we experience his closeness but that is not the only way that we experience God or know that He is with us. Like Our humility comes and our surrender comes when we realize not His physical proximity, but His authority over our lives. To say that He is King over all. He rules over all. He knows best. And when we know that He knows best and that He is our Father in heaven who wants good things for us, and as a plan to prosper us, even when it goes bad, there is a boldness that is produced to say that I am a child of the King Most High. I'm completely reliant and surrendered to Him and His will is first priority in, his my, in my life. Seek first the Kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So humility produces boldness. It doesn't produce a withdrawn, um, subdued nature. And that's maybe something that we need to wrestle with as South Africans. And something that we've been mentioning quite a lot is that our, you know, talking about our willingness to be used by God is that we need to realize that our physical and our spiritual worlds are not separated. They're intertwined. Because if our spiritual life is defined by Wednesdays and Sundays and maybe 30 to 40 minutes of quiet time during the week, three to four times a week, Right? If, if, our, if our spiritual life is defined by that, then we completely miss the mission of God in our lives. If we see our studies and our work and our hobbies and our friendships, even our families and our family time, as any part of our physical world. So while I'm studying or working here and when I go home on holiday or, or, or during a break or 
whatever, then God is switched off and I don't have a quiet time routine and I'm not engaged with Him. I'm not praying for my family. I'm not reaching out anymore, but I only do that, you know, on campus or when I'm at church or when I'm at an encounter or whatever. If we see those things as, as our physical world, you're right, our, our studies and our hobbies and, and our time with our family, we won't allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to shape us in those areas. If we see these things as only physical, they're only the physical world, right? So I play touchies and that's only part of my physical world, my spiritual life and my spiritual world. That doesn't, that, they don't overlap there. Then I won't allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to influence the way that I play touchies. I won't allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me and the Word to shape around me getting irritated or frustrated or losing my temper. And I'll think that it's fine. Because our spiritual and our physical lives are intertwined. And this is what I love about the, um, about the, the, the Jewish uh, the culture. Is that God is intertwined in everything that they do. Whether they make bread or whether they're in the synagogue. Or whether they're walking down the street. Everything is unto God. Whether I eat or whether I drink, I do it all unto the glory of God. There is this, there is this overlapping there is this combination of my physical and my spiritual world. It's one and God reigns over it all. He is the ruler. It's His authority that determines and it's His will and it's His word and it's His spirit that determines the direction of my life. But I can only be there if I am humble. So if I'm humble and I'm willing to submit myself and to that, then, then I can say that God has authority over my life to rule and to reign. Maybe something you know that uh, uh, I'm now forgetting the author's name. He writes um, a lot of books. Dallas Willard, <laughs> that's his name. Um, he writes about spiritual disciplines um, that. That, that we need and he talks uh, about barcode Christianity and this is what we're talking about when there's a separation between our physical and our, se and our spiritual life barcode Christianity is that because we've prayed a prayer and because we go to church because we do these things our barcode says one thing so when we scan it says this guy this lady is a Christian they go to church boom you know they're going to heaven but when we look at the bottle when we look at the contents and the packaging of the bottle, the contents and the packaging have no resemblance to what the barcode says. Because my physical life, my attitude towards my family, maybe I am angry, maybe I am I'm impatient and uh, quick, uh, you know, um, bad-tempered at home or at touches or in my um, or in my workplace. There's fruit that show me what my life looks like. The contents and the repackaging are different to the barcode. And I want to ask this question to us is, can, you know, if we've had a God encounter, our packaging, contents and barcode need to line up. And obviously sometimes it's a process, but we want to get to that place where it's all lined up, where our lives, our confession our barcode, everything, the way that we look and eat and pray and, and, and play sport and study, it all aligns with our confession that Jesus is Lord. 
I remember um, a time when, when I was in, uh, in the Middle East and, I, and I'd read a book um, about uh, men and w- two women that had been preaching the gospel in and out of prison. And I, um, you know, they, they got arrested for their faith. They started sharing their faith. They got arrested for their faith. And they said that basically that they um, had seen the prison as their ministry field. It's now their church. And they started ministering to women there and amazing stories. And uh, after years and years, they, they were released and they went to back to America. Not back, they fled to America for safety. And while I was in, um, in this Middle Eastern country, sitting in a home, I remembered that I'd read this book. And, I, and, and, and these people were of the same country in the Middle East. And I asked them, but do you... Um, I, I read this book of these people and it's so inspiring. And they asked me for the names of the people, of the two ladies. And I gave them the names. And they said, you know what, those two ladies were in our church. And... Um, and they sat there where you're sitting now. And I realized, that was the moment that I realized, wow, that they, the people in the Middle East and the persecuted um, countries, when they encounter God, their lives are changed completely. When they encounter God, their um, barcodes and the contents of the, and the packaging all, all line up. Because there is no divide between the spiritual and the natural and the physical world. It's, it's all one and it's submitted unto God. You know, it's this question that we've been asking this year quite a lot is, are we being conformed to the pattern of this world or are we being transformed by the renewal of our mind in Christ Jesus? Is God just another option to us along with a bunch, you know, with a whole list of options that we have, is he just another option, or he's the source? Is he the source? Is he the author? Is he the one who has authority that rules and reigns? So I'm going to read for us from one Peter two. Peter is writing to a group of churches um, in modern, close to modern day Turkey. They're persecuted, and he's he's encouraging them to remember the hope that they have in Jesus, that they should rejoice even in suffering and be holy as God is holy. And he reminds them that the word of God is the incorruptible seed which lives and abides forever. And then in 1 Peter 2, um, we get to, to a piece that we, that we know quite well. I'm going to read it for us. Verse 1 to 5. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Put away all these things that are so easy for the flesh to manifest. Like newborn infants, long for the spirit, pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, 
and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, as Beloved, I urge you, so we're at verse 11 now, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct amongst Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. What a piece of scripture we have here. He says, Lay aside the ways of the world, that separate and divide relationships. Put away slander and malice and envy and hypocrisy. Put that stuff away. Because that it, it's not something it's not the way that we can live. It's the fruit of the flesh. It's not the fruit of the spirit. We need to put those things away. Because those things divide our relationships. He says, desire the word of God as babies desire milk that you may grow. Now Many of you might not know this because you don't have your own children. Many, some of you might have your own children, right? And for those who have your own children, you'll be able to understand this. But a baby that needs milk, a newborn infant that needs milk, is like an alarm, like your house alarm that goes off in the middle of the night. It's like, it's just like crying, like intensely because it needs milk it's like i need food now and it is intense it's hectic you're like you just you know get the milk out and give it milk because you know it's all hell is going to break loose now peter's saying here desire the word in that way desire the the word of god as babies desire as infants desire milk do you desire the word of god do you believe that it will bring light to your eyes that it'll give you life and life in abundance when we read the word. Do you desire the word? Or is it just like, no, oh, the word is okay. Because Peter puts it in. He says, desire like babies desire milk. He says, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, you will continue to long for the word. You will continue to long. Do you long to get into the word? If you haven't, if you haven't been able to get to the word, if you haven't been able to get to God, do you long for him or is he just another another option? You know, like whatever you guys eat at, at home, but like my mom's malfa pudding or peppermint crisp tart that she makes, right? Sometimes um, I long for it. I remember there was a time I was um, privileged enough to, to tour through Europe with a friend of mine. And on uh, Christmas Eve, we were sitting in Nice in a, in, a, in a backpackers and what we were having for Christmas Eve dinner was two minute noodles um, because we were rationed and we were students and we had no money so two minute noodles was the way to go right and then our parents phoned us and um, video called us and we could then see what they were eating they showed us what they were eating and there was this longing <laughs> This longing for home, this longing for the the food that was on that table, like I've never had before, 
you know, and, and we were there in tears because we couldn't eat with them and we were really missing home. And all of a sudden, touring Europe didn't sound so great when we saw the family and the food and the good time that they were having. And, but do, do, we, do we long for the Word? Do we long for God's presence? Do we long for an encounter with God in that way? He says, coming to Him a living stone. Jesus is a living stone. We come to someone who we can have a living relationship with. He is our hope. And He says that you are a living stone, being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up sacrifices to God. One stone does not make a wall or a building. One priest did not, does not make a priesthood, but many stones together. He says you are living stones. And, then, and in the time that Peter was writing, it was very real because they didn't have square bricks as we did. So they had to shape the bricks to fit onto one another. And this is what God is doing in our midst. Is as we encounter God, He's shaping us and He's molding us to not only function by ourselves, but to function together as the church. We're being, being built up into a priesthood, into a, into a house for God, a spiritual house for God. He's shaping us and He's molding us to fit together. Because we have a living God who is living inside of us, who is shaping us and molding us continually. And it's all held together by the chief cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. He says... You are, now, this is the piece that we know really well. And he says, we are a chosen people. Right? And this nicely feeds our entitlement because like, oh, you know, we're, we're the chosen. We're the chosen people. Because I'm chosen and I'm special to God. And yes, we are. We are. But it, it does feed our entitlement a little bit. But we're not only chosen. We're a royal priesthood. And here we, we, we kind of think that, oh, like, I'm royal. And yes, you're an heir, you're a co-heir with Christ to God. But what it means to be a royal priesthood is to be a representative of royalty. It doesn't mean that you are royalty yourself. It means that you are a representative of royalty. He says you are a chosen people to be representatives of the Most High God. You have been chosen to represent God and to be a priesthood. We have been chosen to represent the king. You see, our entitlement, saying that we're chosen, sometimes comes and says that we can receive without responsibility. But this piece of scripture comes to say clearly, no, 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 you are chosen exactly to take responsibility of representing God in this world, in your space where you are now. He says you are a holy nation. He says that you are to represent the king, but you are to look completely different to the world. You, you, you must sound different. You must even smell different to the world around you because you need to represent that which the king represents. And the God, friendship with the world is enmity with God. So we cannot. We cannot combine the two. We cannot look like the world and represent God or represent God and look like the world. We need, if we're going to represent God, we need to be holy as He is holy. He says, you are a special people to proclaim the praise or the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You all. He says that, and, and, and this is where it comes into me, that if we have had an encounter with God, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into our marvelous light. 
We have a responsibility to pray. We have a responsibility to preach the gospel, to disciple those around us. We have a responsibility to represent the king and his kingdom because we're chosen for that. We're not chosen for ourselves because Jesus didn't die only for you on the cross. He died for all of us that we would represent him, that we would know him. This is eternal life, to know God and Jesus whom he sent. Then he says, beloved, in verse 11, he says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. He says, where are you building? Are you building on earth? Are you building in heaven? And I believe that if we've had a God encounter, if if we've encountered God truly, that we need to look different from the world. We need to smell different. We need to realize that we have a responsibility to represent Him faithfully. And we also need to realize that we're not made for this world. We're just in this world. We're made for heaven. We are sojourners here. We are passing through this life. That our encounters are not only for ourselves. They're not only. They are that we would be built up and encouraged. They are that God can show His love for us. But they are not only for us. They are that we would be changed I'm reading a book, The Insanity of Obedience. Sounds like a crazy book, and it is a crazy book. But it's a researcher who has done a lot of research on the on the persecuted church. And the he starts off with an interview with a with a with a group of, of people in China and the underground church, and he just like goes through the numbers that he's found in research about how many people have come to salvation. And an elder stands up after the meeting and he says, Come for dinner with me invites him for dinner and he um, and he says I want to challenge you on your numbers because in China we have two groups of people we have members who come to church faithfully who tithe who contribute and read their Bible and that's about two-thirds of them but then we have one-third that are true followers of Jesus because they share the gospel and make disciples wherever they go We have a decision, we have a responsibility if we encounter God. We can be members, and it's fine, we'll go to heaven. But we have an opportunity to partake in what God is doing, to not only have a God encounter, but to be a vessel to provide God encounters. I think of Jesus going to the the man who's blind, rubbing mud on his eyes, and he has a profound encounter with him. And then I see a little bit of a, a, a parallel between Peter and John in Acts 4, coming to the man who is lame at the gate and saying we don't have anything money to give you but we what we do have stand up and you have the ability to 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 facilitate and to to be a vessel for a god encounter and that's what i want to encourage us to to align our lives to the word to 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 not live a dualistic life of of physical and spiritual world we need to trust god to to infiltrate our entire lives We need to give not only our Sundays and our Wednesdays, but every moment of our lives, that whether we eat or whether we drink, that we give it all unto the glory of God. If you've had a God encounter, you have the ability, you have a testimony to share with people around you so that they would have God encounters, that we would be a royal priesthood, that we would be chosen to represent the King, that we would look different from the world, that we would sound and smell different, 
that we would be the, His special people who proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you encounter us. Thank you that you speak to us. Lord, I pray for an activation for men and women to go out and be representatives of, the, of you, our Most High King. To live lives that are according to your will, submitted to your authority. And that give life and provide, um, yeah, that are so submitted to you, Father, that they can be vessels for God encounters. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope you have a blessed day. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.